How do you say the word finagle? Finagle? Yeah, that's right. No. What is Go what, ahead, how does Chloe. Chloe say it? Go ahead. I'd say finagle. Just incorrect. Oh, I can see that. That's I under finagle, I also finagle. Yeah, see? I also say bagel and bagel. I also say bagel. Yeah. Yay! Oh yeah, Chloe and are so great. Oscar. Yes. That one I can't Oscar. get on board with. Those just aren't words. I say bagel and everybody gives me crap for it. to the bi scoreboard everybody i am your host austin hansen i am joined as always by my co-host chris werner chris how are we on this fine wednesday i guess the show comes out friday so friday well i cannot predict the future so i don't know how i'll be in two days but i'm doing well tonight um we got some good hawkeye sports content as always to dive into a lot of uh, quarterback things, some basketball. They just started the season, so should be a uh, fun yet informative podcast as always. So I'll preface this next introduction. Uh, we're on Zoom, so we all have four boxes, and the only part of Chloe Peterson's head that I can see is in the very lower right-hand corner of, of my screen. Uh, so I guess the big question is, uh, the corner of Chloe's head, how are we doing tonight? Oh, I'm, the corner of my head is doing so fantastic. You know, my computer's charging and it's sitting on my knees right now. And it, it, this, this do be life. And that's all I have to say on the matter. We should note that Chloe is on the mend from a cold. She fought, she's fighting through it, toughing it out tonight uh, on behalf of the scoreboard. So, so let's dive into our first topic. Um, <laughs> Iowa has a bit of a quarterback situation last saturday spencer petrus was benched after two drives alex padilla i was backup came in three drives okay spencer petrus came in three drives after that he was benched in favor of backup alex padilla chris you were there on saturday what can you tell us about that situation yeah it was just kind of a kind of a weird thing um there was no indication that padilla was going to come in i mean Petrus wasn't playing very well, but he hasn't played. He didn't play well for the past two weeks either. So um, nothing really led us in the press box to believe they were going to make a change. I know he did take a hard, Petrus did take a hard hit against Wisconsin the week before, but all the indications were that he was fine to start against Northwestern. He did, um, he threw some balls in the dirt that was kind of uncharacteristic. So that's what it was like during the game afterwards. Parents really just said that he didn't have the zip he needed on the ball to play the position effectively. And that's what he's maintained this week. Petrus could medically, he is cleared to play, but he is not uh, capable of playing to the level at which they need him to play. So that's why Padilla is in there. Chloe, you were watching the game. What do you make of this situation? What do you think about Iowa's quarterback depth chart this week uh, that has Padilla is a starter, a sophomore, uh, and Deuce Hogan is a backup, a freshman. And Petrus not on there at all. I mean, I feel like this was a long time coming because the entire season it's been like Petrus will get, you know, benched. Like, Austin, you've been saying that the entire season, as you've said from your four separate articles or whatever PCPs you've written about it. But I think it's interesting that Petrus is completely off the depth chart 
Like he's not even behind Padilla. And Ferentz said at his press conference on Tuesday that behind Padilla will actually be Deuce Hogan. It will not be Spencer Petrus. And they will only put Petrus in if both Padilla and Hogan get work or get hurt or are too bad. So I will, I obviously have a lot of thoughts on this because I've been writing since last really spring ball last year in like May uh, that Petrus might get benched. Uh, Cause I just, I never really saw much out of him. Uh, and I think we saw that in the first six games of the year, you know, he was just good enough to help Iowa go six to no win six games. Then they lose two games and he comes out three bad drives against Northwestern and Iowa makes a change. Now, Kirk Ferentz said today that Petrus or Tuesday, um, he said Tuesday that Petrus is hurt shoulder. Like Chris said, can't get the zip on the ball. He also keeps saying that he can't throw effectively, um, which I think is an interesting choice of words. I'm sure he's referencing the injury in this case, but it just seems conspicuous to me, right? for Kirk Ferentz to say that Petrus is medically cleared to play, he can get on the field, but we're not going to allow him to play. Um, and also he's sitting out of practice this week. So like, I, I don't think you go from able to start against Northwestern to just completely unable to play at all the next week. Uh, that seems very suspect to me. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, Chris. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could think of, of is if he re-aggravated the injury in his three drives against Northwestern, but then Ferentz would say he's injured. So it doesn't really make too much sense to me. So I don't, I don't really know what to make of it, but the fact that Ferentz knows that, I mean, he doesn't give them the, the best chance to win. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it took an injury, honestly, for this to happen because when I was losing by double digits to Purdue and Wisconsin and weren't getting anything going offensively, why don't you change it up? Like, what do you have to lose? You're already pretty much going to lose the game. Why don't you give them another schematic look? Obviously Padilla is more mobile and can do more things outside of the pocket. I, there was no downside to, to getting somebody else in there, but I guess I'm, I'm happy to see a change happening. This is nothing, nothing against Petrus. I mean, he's a very, very nice person, great locker room guy from what we've heard, but he just really wasn't getting the job done uh, the past couple of weeks here. Yeah, I feel like the injury thing is sort of the guys under which um, Iowa football has used to make their change uh, at quarterback. You know, I, I think the writing was kind of on the wall with Petrus over the last three weeks. Uh, that Iowa was likely to make a change at quarterback. And then he got hurt against Wisconsin. All of a sudden, whoop, here's your window to sort of bench Petrus with no lasting consequences. You know, you won't have the team split like, oh, there's a Padilla camp, there's a Petrus camp. You won't have media split like that. You'll be like, oh, Spencer's hurt. He can't go. But Sp Spencer wants to play and Kirk Ferentz isn't letting him. So I'm not sure if Padilla's Padilla getting the start and stuff is entirely injury related. Um, I think Petrus, I think it was sort of a combination of things. I think he was hurt a little bit, but benched a lot. So that's kind of how I would, I would sort of explain the situation. And Chris, I don't want to come to you again, but you were there in Evanston at Ryan field, just watching it on TV here in Iowa city. Padilla made some throws that in watching Spencer Petrus for the last whatever 14 starts he's made 
Spencer Petras hasn't made a single one of those throws. Different receivers were getting the ball. It wasn't just Sam Laporta every play. Um, I mean, I thought Iowa's pass game in particular was a lot more explosive and had a lot more upside with Padilla in there. Yeah, you saw it right. Um, I think part of the reason, there are two main reasons I think um, the passing game was more effective with Padilla in there. One, he's more mobile, like I said, which means he can kind of move the pocket and give himself more time to find those receivers down the field. And especially with uh, an inex- relatively inexperienced offensive line, they are getting better this week with a couple of people coming back from injuries. But that does help an offensive line when you don't have the quarterback just sitting sitting back there and all the defensive linemen know exactly where he is. You can move him out. An offensive lineman can afford to miss a block or not hold the block for quite as long and still not allow a sack. So that's, an, that's one of the reasons. The other thing, I think P- Padilla really surveyed the field a lot better than Petrus does. Padilla was finding second and third receivers on these plays, and Petrus usually just latches on to, to one receiver and just follows him across the field. And then just the accuracy was, was really there. I mean, he threw a couple that were caught, obviously the one down the sideline to Keegan Johnson, and there was one that Charlie Jones dropped that was an absolute – he just threw a dime and it just wasn't caught, but there's a lot to like. I, I'm sure Petrus could probably make those throws to, like, receivers if that was his first option and if he got a ton of time back there. But given that Iowa can't really provide that at this point, uh, it was really, really uh, impressive from Petrus. I mean, from Padilla, sorry. They're both P names, so we can't, we can't blame you for a mistake like that. But I, I do want to touch on your mobility point. With a struggling offensive line, it's important to have a guy that can move out of the pocket uh, and throw on the run and then use his legs to pick up yards if needed. And I think Padilla brings that. And Iowa's offense, like I've said, their passes were just a lot more explosive um, against Northwestern. Granted, Northwestern's defense isn't very good, um, but I think we'll find out a lot this week with Padilla at the helm, his first start. Um, Chloe, you wrote a little bit about this in your scouting report that will come out uh, today, actually, uh, in our pregame pages, uh, you want to talk a little bit about this weekend's Iowa-Minnesota match and what we can expect from Alex Padilla? Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's pass defense is 15th in the nation, I believe. They allow around 195 yards, passing yards per game, which, you know, pretty good. But from what we saw from Padilla last week against Northwestern, he went 18 for 28 with 172 yards. 172 yards I think I mean it'll be interesting to see how he does against a better defense than Northwestern because Northwestern's defense is just not very good so I think this will be the true test for Padilla um, if he can actually step up and be a power five big ten quarterback this weekend yeah I think I think Padilla's got the chops for it uh, it feels like he does, um, but this is a big game. This is a big stage where I would have just thrown him out there, but this might be the best iteration of the Hawkeyes, in my opinion, that we'll see this season. They're, they're back at full strength uh, with Riley Moss back in the defensive backfield. Kirk Ferentz said he'll play this weekend um, short of any setbacks during the week, so I think that'll help him a lot. That'll really help him generate more turnovers that they really missed with Moss gone. Uh, it'll help him defend opposing passing attacks. 
And I think Iowa since upgraded a quarterback since Moss last played. So it's possible that this might be the, this weekend might be the best that we'll see Iowa this season. And if Iowa's playing at the height of their powers at this time of year, that's a good sign. Um, and I, I mentioned that big 10 West title will be on the line this weekend. Potentially uh, if Iowa loses, they're pretty much all but eliminated uh, from big 10 West uh, division, you know, from the big 10 West title and a bit at the big 10 championship game in Indianapolis, uh, December 4th, they need a little help right now, Chris, Purdue and Wisconsin beat Iowa head to head. They own the tiebreaker uh, and Minnesota is ahead of Iowa same number of losses too. If Iowa wins, obviously they'll hold the tiebreaker and sort of pseudo eliminate Minnesota. So the question is, will Iowa get the help it needs to get to the big 10 championship game? And can they win out? Cause that's what they'll have to do to make it. I mean, if this is the, like you said, Austin, this is Iowa's best chance to win out. I think they have the best team, best combination of roster players out there that they're going to have for the rest of the year. But my, my question mark, I have faith that Ohio State is going to beat Purdue. I think Ohio State is better than both of those top five teams that Purdue has knocked off in recent weeks. The big question mark is Wisconsin. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know their schedule off, off the top of my head, but they're playing, they're playing like they always do at the end of the year, and it seems like they, it's either them or Northwestern representing the West in that title game. And, we know for a fact, I feel pretty confident in saying this, Northwestern will not be in the Big Ten championship game this year. But yeah, going, going back to another point you made about Padilla, I also think it's going to help those two freshman receivers that have been really impressive for the past couple of weeks and throughout the whole season. Talking about Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson, of course, because they were on the second team with Padilla all the way pretty much up until fall practice right before the season started. So he has a lot of chemistry with them. And that was really evident in Evanston. It didn't seem like Padilla really missed a beat out there. And that also speaks to his preparation. I know every time the media asks him about preparation, he always gives pretty much the canned answer that every backup gives, which is I'm going to prepare like I'm the starter in case anything happens. But it really did seem like Padilla took that to heart and has been doing that because he there was definitely no drop-off. There was definitely uh, the opposite of a drop-off. It was the best the offense looked in, in quite a while, obviously, with those two back-to-back touchdown drives. Pretty darn impressive for the, the first couple of plays. Uh, you're really playing in a Big Ten meaningful game. I mean, Padilla did something against Northwestern that Petrus hadn't done all season. I mean, Iowa's offense had scored more, but that's because the defense was setting them up. The defense was scoring. Special teams was setting him up. Padilla led Iowa on some long drives to score. And Padilla earned the touchdowns. You know, some of the touchdowns Spencer Petruster were handed to him on a silver platter by the defense. Um, but Padilla, I felt like he did something that I, we haven't seen an Iowa quarterback do since Nate Stanley, which is lead a team on a, a prolonged drive. But I want to get back to the West standings. Chris touched on wisconsin a little bit they are the favorite to win the west chloe do you see a scenario where iowa makes the big 10 championship game will does wisconsin have a chance to lose any of its remaining games their defense currently uh is ranked number one in rush defense um and they're near the top in the country in total defense defensive efficiency pass defense against two bad offensive teams like 
uh, Minnesota and Nebraska, the two teams that might have a realistic chance to beat them. It doesn't seem like the Badgers are going to lose, especially this late in the year uh, when they're trying to clinch a Big Ten title bid. Yeah, at this point, ESPN has Wisconsin with a 62% chance of winning the division, and I I don't think Wisconsin will lose any of their last three games. Like, the only one I could possibly see them losing is Minnesota, but Minnesota doesn't have a running back at this point. They've lost, like, their top four running backs at this point, and they can't run the ball, and they're not very good at passing the ball either. So I think, and then Northwestern and Nebraska are both just bad. So I think Wisconsin will win out and then they'll just win the division. So that's all they need to do at this point. I'll say that all Iowa fans need to root for Nebraska during week 12, as much as that might pain you, we need, you need to do it. They will need to root for Nebraska week 11. Iowa plays Nebraska week 12. Week 11, don't root for Nebraska against Iowa. That would be counterproductive. I mean, it could be fun. Carly, take Iowa that out. Iowa fans rooting for Nebraska. Carly, can you take that out? <laughs> you tried. You made an effort. <laughs> Even the I'm, part where they need to root against Nebraska. I'm <laughs> root not, for Nebraska week 12. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good at math. I do the words. I'm also not good at the words, it seems. Okay. So what does that make you good at? That's up to you. We're going to leave that up to the listeners. Be kind. For reference, Chris has a fridge magnet with Iowa's schedule on it and a poster behind him that also has Iowa's schedule on it. So he had multiple visual cues that could tell him that Iowa plays Nebraska Week 12. Do you think I use my resources? Hell no. Also, Iowa's played Nebraska in Week 12 on Black Friday every year for basically my entire life. I meant Week 11, okay? So, let's <laughs> put a bow on the Big Ten West title race com- like conversation. Um, I think Chloe's right. Wisconsin's the favorite right now. They need an upset from Nebraska or Minnesota. Uh, to win obviously Purdue will probably lose to Ohio State or they'll lose to some team they're not supposed to so Purdue isn't the one Iowa has to worry about Uh, I think Iowa will have to worry about Wisconsin as per usual we shall see uh, if the Badgers gift the Hawkeyes a Big Ten title berth or a Big Ten championship game berth with a loss to one of these three teams that they'll be favored to beat last topic of the day let's talk Iowa men's basketball uh, they lost a lot. Luke Garza, C.J. Frederick, Joe Wieskamp, their top three scorers from last year, all gone. Iowa's played two games. They've blown out both of the mid-major uh, schools they've played, once in an exhibition game and once in their season opener, both of which are, were at Carver Hawkeye Arena. And to be honest with you, this Iowa team looks a lot different uh, than last year's team for sure. Um, just watching them last night. Last year, it seemed like Iowa was trying to pound it in the paint get it to Luca Garza, get him a lot of touches, a lot of opportunities to score. Uh, and this season, they're running a lot more motion, uh, you know, five men out, none in type of offense. And it, it works. It's worked well against bad teams. But, Chris, the question is, will it work well against a good Big Ten opponent? I mean, I think that's always the question. We can analyze all we want. I will say this it was it was a nice air on Murray to some extent. I didn't I didn't think he was going to be as good as other members of the media did, and I stand corrected. 
that guy is pretty darn impressive. But I, I think this definitely presents a different element for teams who are trying to defend Iowa because now you don't really know where the ball's going. You knew every possession last year and really for the last couple of years when Garza was, was here, the ball was going to go in the post every possession. If he wasn't going to shoot it, you were going to double him and it was going to be a kick out for a three. Those were the two things that I really did offensively. But now they've, they're more of a, a pass and cut, a lot of jump shooters driving to the rim. So there are, there are a lot more options for Iowa offensively. And it'll be really, can Iowa figure out a way to effectively manage that where they're not really running around and just playing kind of uncontrolled. It's going to be, and that's, something Fran McCaffrey is going to have to really focus on is getting his players to play within themselves while still getting everybody involved. So that's the thing I'm going to be watching uh, for the remainder of this non-conference before the big 10 starts. Yeah. I mean, last year you were pretty darn sure that they were going to go get 20 from Garza, 20 from Wieskamp. This year, they're really spreading the ball around and they're going to play within the offense a lot more. It's not going to be any hero ball like it was last year. Uh, they're going to play basketball the way, you know, Naismith intended, so to speak. You know, any guy can get 20. It just depends on the flow of the offense. Patrick McCaffrey, Keegan Murray, Jordan Bohannon, uh, any of those guys can score 20. It just depends on where the ball is going that night. And the key is, are they going to be able to score enough points? Because I think they're going to be able to defend really well this year. I think that they're a lot more athletic than they were last year. And I think that'll go a long way. The big thing I, I worry about with Iowa, will their offense yes. be able to do enough? Um, do you think their offense will be able to do enough, Chris? Is that is that true? I do. You were also lagging a little bit, so I, uh, I asked you to continue, but I do. Um, I think that – I'll say this. If Jordan Bohannon continues to shoot the ball like he did last night from three, uh, they're not going to have any problem scoring points, but – I liked what I saw out of Keegan Murray, of course. Uh, Toussaint made a made a three. He's got a lot more of a well-rounded game than he's had in the past or been able to show in the past. Now with that starting point guard role, I like Rebracha. He had an off game, but he he showed uh, that he he can score while he was at North Dakota. So I I do like a lot of the options that Iowa has. And I don't think that scoring is going to be the problem. I think it's going to be, uh, can they all get on track and know where the ball is going? I think a lot of it's going to be turnovers. It's going to be really the issue for Iowa and transition points. But I, I really liked what I saw uh, in their first game of the year against Longwood. Yeah, a lot of people were doubting whether or not they could score. But, I mean, they proved they could shoot yesterday. Uh, Keegan Murray's shooting was a question mark. He shot the ball well. Chris Murray's shooting was a question mark. He shot it well yesterday. Peyton Sanford looks like he's going to be a solid shooter. I think I, I worry about Joe T shooting. Joe Toussaint, I was point guard. But, I mean, he, he, made, he stepped up and made a three and then a mid-range jumper yesterday. So, I think Iowa's offense should be okay. Will they win the Big Ten? No. Will they be in contention for an NCAA title? No. But are they an NCAA tournament team? Maybe. It's just really hard to say after two games and to read into these non-conference games because Iowa is not playing anyone uh, in the non-conference schedule this year. They're playing teams like Alabama State and Western Illinois. and The Leathernecks are a powerhouse. Southern University of Western Illinois did beat Nebraska by one. 
uh, Wednesday or uh, Tuesday night. So it, it is a possibility. Um, but I think Iowa's probably a middle of the pack Big Ten team, maybe a late NCAA tournament team. We can have this debate on later podcasts because we're running out of time. But let's say Iowa goes undefeated or loses one time in non-conference and then picks up eight wins out of 20 Big Ten games. Is that record good enough for them to make the NCAA tournament? I don't know. They'll probably be a bubble team. But anyway, Chloe, Chris, I don't know if either of you have had any last thoughts on Iowa men's basketball. I'll say this. I will call it right now. They're going to get one of those 11 seed play-in games. And I love it. The Tuesday nighters, one of the one of the four teams from 64 to 68. Heck yeah, another game to win. That's the way I look at it. Write it down. I will be in a playing game this year. Uh, and with that, this has been the DI Scoreboard. I'm your host, Austin Hansen. I'd like to thank my co-host, Chris Werner, for joining me. I'd like to thank our guest, Chloe Peterson, for joining us uh, and tolerating us for yet another week. Uh, as always, we appreciate the efforts of our producer, Carly Dahlberg. Without her, this podcast can't happen. Uh, no matter the circumstances, Carly is always here. Uh, folding laundry in the background while we're talking or today eating ramen. But nevertheless, we appreciate her. She makes this podcast go heart and soul of this whole operation. Um, all those things. And hard as always, lunch, hard hat yes. lunch pail kind of yep. kind of person. Yep. Hard hat lunch pail gal uh, shows up every day, works hard. But anyway, work as hard, always, <laughs> as always, this podcast is sponsored by absolutely no one. We hope you listen to us next week. Hope you enjoyed us this week. Um, Chris, I didn't give you a chance to interject a potential sponsor, so I'll let you do it now. Possibly Brewers Bagels. Yeah, bagels. <laughs>